Good morning. Today's scripture reading today is from Colossians, and it's chapter 3, 17 through chapter 4, verse 6. And you can read it along on page 9. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit yourselves to your husband as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it, not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. This is the word of the Lord. Well, today we are wrapping up our look in the book of Colossians and what it means for our life together. I have a question for you. Have you ever been at a place where you have felt outside of the norm, like you weren't really supposed to be there? Perhaps it was an 80s fancy dress party, and you went 1880s instead of 1980s. And you're kind of looking around going, what's going on? Or, 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 or maybe you're a vegetarian at a Brazilian steakhouse, where they continue to walk around with just long, Frauds of meat, and they're cutting it off and putting it on everything. Yeah, I'll take the spinach, please. You've probably been there. You, you felt there has been a time in your life that you've gone, I just don't fit in in this place. It seems awkward and strange. Well, this passage is saying to the church in Colossia, you are strange. You are different. You will no longer fit in to the ways of the world around you. You are completely outside of it. We, we know earlier in this passage, and we preached on it a couple of weeks ago, that we are God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. And so we must clothe ourselves with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, that our lives look different than what they formerly were, and of those that are around us who don't know the good news of walking in the salvation and new life that Christ has brought. And Paul in this letter now goes into showing them forth what does it mean for you to look different? What does it look like for you to be those who are walking in this gentleness and compassion and kindness who 
very lives are in Christ, which is the beginnings of Colossians 3, 1. That our life is in Christ. So we look different. And so in that place, where would Paul turn? What, what is the thing that Paul would need to address most readily that everyone reading the letter would understand? Oh, that's how different we're supposed to be. What would be in their household codes? The way that society is structured and put together. The patrafamilia, that place where the man of the house, either it's the father or the grandfather or the oldest, the, the one who has control and money, is over everybody else. And, and that then everyone else must submit and give in to that one who is the head of the house who's given that power, not just because of who they are or lineage, but by the Roman government itself. That at this time, a wife, a woman within the house and their children are legally obligated to follow after the father or the husband. If they don't, then the father could take them to court. Could say, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. And so this is where Paul turns to say, you want to know how different you are? Do you want to know how, how outside of the norm you are supposed to be? Let me show it to you in the thing that you recognize most readily, your household codes. Beth Allison Barr is a, a scholar on medieval history. She's written a book called The Making of Biblical Womanhood. And in that book, she reminds us of what Roman culture was like at this time by quoting Aristotle. She says this, or she quotes Aristotle saying this. Of household management, we have seen that there are three parts. One is the rule of the master over the slaves, another of the father, and the third of the husband. A husband and father, we saw, rules over wife and children, both free, but the rule differs. And the rule over his children being a royal and over his wife a constitutional. There's that legality rule. For although there may be exceptions to the order of nature, the male by, is by nature fitter for command than the female. The inequality between males and female is permanent. The courage of the man is shown in commanding and of a woman is obeyed. All classes must be deemed to have their special attributes. As the poet says of women, silence is a woman's glory, but this is not equal to the glory of man. So just to be clear here, for those who are hearing Paul say certain things about how we must operate within our household, he is not saying what Aristotle was saying. Although many accuse him of saying what Aristotle was saying. Aristotle is saying women are weak. Their glory is in obedience. They should be silent. That's not what Paul is saying. That's actually what the culture was that this church in Colossae and in Galatia and Thessalonica and Laodicea were built on. And so Paul steps into that and says, I want to show you how different you are. But at the same time, he recognizes that I cannot subvert completely 
all that is in Roman culture. If I do, we will continually be cast out all the way. So I need to take the household codes that everyone is walking in, and I need to allow Christ to come in, and as Rachel Held Evans says, do a Jesus remix on it. And that's exactly what he does here. He goes very strongly to say, what you hear is true, but there is a truth that lies underneath it that should empower it and bring it forth. Now, before we jump clearly into Colossians, I want to jump into Ephesians. This is in your additional reading because it gives us some context, a good place to look at as we jump into this. So if you look at Ephesians, I mean, Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 21. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, in some translations, they have separated that verse up above a heading and then put a heading about Christian households or the way families are supposed to work. And then they start in verse 22, which says, Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as you do to the Lord. Now, they actually can't do that. And they shouldn't have. There's a reason why they've done it. I'm not sure why. I wasn't there when they were translating it. But we know that they can't do it because the Greek doesn't allow that to happen. You see in verse 21 where it says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as is to the Lord. That word submit is not there. In Greek, that verb is not present in that place. The only way that that verb can be present there is because it has a, a, a way to go up and grab the submit that is the word that says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So Paul doesn't end the phrase going submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives submit to your husbands. As if it's some commentary on how we're supposed to submit to one another. What he says is, submit to one another on the reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. And so it's very clear that when we're in Colossians, that that needs to hold forth in our head. That there's this place that as followers of Christ, as those who are in community together, we are walking in ways of submission to one another. So it might be good to define submission. Often when we hear the word submission, we might think of obedience. If Paul was going to say obey your husbands or obey one another, he would have used the word obey because he does two other times in that passage in Ephesians. He specifically says submit. And in submission, we will sometimes get in our minds that that means to, to, to go whatever you want, however you need it, that, that I've just got to give in to submit. The word there is actually different from that type of submission. It, it's a word that talks about movement, of aligning, and of seeking the flourishing of the other. It's saying, what can I do to help you be all that you can be? 
That's the reason why he says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That our lives, if you look in all of Ephesians, and the context for this isn't just those verses, it's the whole book of Ephesians. It says our life is in Christ. When we look at Colossians and we say submit, it is all of the book of Colossians, that whole letter. And if we recognize in chapter 3 and chapter 2 and chapter 1, it is all about having our lives found in Christ and helping each other walk along in that place so that we can live within Christ. Now that's radical enough. That's more different than what the culture was already saying. But Paul goes even further. Did you notice in Aristotle's quote, there was no mention of command or care or even acknowledgement outside of this is what the man is supposed to do over the wife or the children, giving them some instruction on how to live lives that would be pleasing to society. Yet Paul here very specifically addresses all those who would be considered and grown as less than. Wives, children, and slaves. And so within the kingdom of God, within the body of Christ, within those places that we're living together, we see no one as less than. We recognize the goodness of God within them. That as they've come to saving faith, that they have been engrafted into Christ's body. And so in that way, they are equal always to one another. And so Paul addressing them is radical. But that's not even radical enough. Because then Paul wants to change the motivation. If you were a wife living in Colossae, getting this letter from Paul and read it, heard it read over you, the first thing you would have heard was, wife, submit yourself to your husband. And if had it stopped there, it would not have been any different than anything that you had been hearing. If you were a child and you heard, obey your parents in everything, it wouldn't have been any different than anything that you had been if you were a slave and you heard, obey your masters in everything, it wouldn't have been any different than anything that you'd been hearing. That was your job, your expectation, what was needed. And for the husband, for the father, for the master, theirs was to rule over. And so they wouldn't have heard anything different either. Except... Paul then says this, Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it, not when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but out of sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. You see, Paul is saying to all those present that you are going to do the very thing that it seems like you've always been doing, that you've been expected to do, but you're going to do it now from a change of posture in your hearts. 
You're not doing it only because of expectation. You're doing it because God has moved in you and out of reverence or honor or what is fitting to the Lord, you move quickly into doing those things. Seeking to have God be glorified, not just meeting the requirements. And when we all begin to move in a place where what we want to do is to the Lord and not just to tick the box. In that change in our motivation, it empowers and enables us through Holy Spirit to step into places that are difficult and hard. Because if we're to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, to seek the flourishing and the life-giving and the change for each other, it can be difficult at times to do that. Because I'm selfish. And so are you. I'm annoying. And so are you. I'm difficult. Maybe a lot this week. And so are you. And so if our motivation is only to do it because we have to do it, we will fail miserably. But when we are transformed and changed, knowing that we're doing this unto the Lord, then it empowers us through Holy Spirit to step into that place. So those are those that are less than in society that have been elevated. And we know that that is not true within the kingdom of God, that he shows no partiality, there is no favoritism, that we are all in Christ, each one of us, valuable in our particularness and who we are. But he also wants to make sure that those that are in power in that Roman culture understand what their motivations are as well. Most often in the paterfamilia household codes, it talked about the man being the ruler. Over and over again, whether it's in Ephesians or here in Colossians or in 1 Peter, what we begin to recognize as Paul speaks into that place and say, where are you going to recognize how different you are? He is telling the men this. Lead in love. Do not be harsh. Do not embitter. Care for your slaves. He is saying to them the example of Christ as he calls out and says, Christ is the head of the church, the, the source of all love. And he says to the, to the husband, you are the head of the house. In that, it is not a headhold of authority. It is a head of love. Self-giving, self-sacrificing, always seeking the flourishing of those you are leading. In Rome, in the churches that they were, where this church was, in the place this church was, it was always about power, with few exceptions. But for the Christian house, for the households of those who are finding their life in Christ, 
It is always about self-sacrificing love. Seeking for those who are beyond. How different that is. How strange that would be. Paul goes even further and he says, this is how strange it is. This is how different you are. Now that you recognize that within the household code, you're going to do the things that look like you are just following right along, but you're doing them because your heart has changed and has found that everyone is worthy to be loved self-sacrificingly. I also want to let you know, stop running after success in the world. That's the reason why he shifts after he talks about children and, and wives and husbands and fathers and slaves and masters. He says, devote yourself then to prayer. You see, because in the society that they were in, they did a lot of praying to this idol and that idol and this God and that God. I need to do this God so I can get this accomplished. I need to do this God so I can get this accomplished. And if I do this God, then I'll get this accomplished and I'll be blessed that way. Sadly, that should sound a little familiar. We all run after our different idols, our different things that we think will give us the fulfillment that we're longing for. And so Paul says, devote yourself to prayer. Pull yourself out from yourself. Focus on the God creator. Requesting to him that he will be good and follow and supply. Moving to the recognition that he is always more than enough. Devote yourselves to him. And in that way we look so different from the world. There is a, a peace in our anxious society. A society that as we become more able to do things easier because technology that we're able to be connected more easily because of ways that we can connect through technology and other things. That we just continue to get elevated in our anxious spirits. Devote yourself to prayer. Look to the creator and the maker of the universe. Look to the Savior of the world, and not just the world, but you particularly. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, and in that place, you will know he is comforting you and caring for you. <coughs> how different, how strange, dare I say, how weird we should look to those that are around us. Paul wants to make it abundantly clear that you're going to be so different that it will be recognizable. If you drop down in your verses there, verse 4, he, he asked them in verse 3 of chapter 4, he says, Pray for us that God may continue to open the doors for, for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ even though we're in change. Pray that we may proclaim it clearly. Then he says to them, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer anyone or everyone. 
Paul here is saying you're going to be so counterculture that people are going to ask you. Sometimes it might be lovely. Can you tell me more about what's going on with you and how you're living that way? Sometimes it might be a little bit more antagonistic. What is up with you? But we are living our lives as those who are in Christ, whose lives are in Jesus himself in such a way that we will be asked questions. How's that possible? What does that look like? How can that be? I know many of you have experienced that. I know that there are stories that I've heard from you have been told to me of how in your life something has happened, whether it be a tragedy or a success, whether it be just a a sustained obedience in the same direction, that you've had friends or acquaintances look to you and say, something is different about you. Oh God, may that be more and more. That the aroma of Christ to God just becomes more and more prevalent so that those around us can't help but ask the question, what is up with you? And in that case, then we better devote ourselves to prayer. To that place where we will say, prepare me, God, to give that loving and careful response to that question. Where we can say, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was dead, but now I'm alive. I thought I knew what true life was, but now I've found the true meaning of life. And so, for us, we must always be on guard that we do not look and act and smell like our culture. The danger is this, that we will grab hold of things that seem right. And in order to protect them, we will make them sound gospel-oriented. Perhaps that's why the translators of the ESV didn't want that. Because in a lot of ways, our culture today is not much different than the Roman culture. Yet we are called, those of us who have found our truth identity in Christ, to be different. Now, I know that's easier for some of us. I know I'm different in lots of ways. In God's graciousness, he moved me to a country that I sound different in. Every day I'm reminded. In Christ, let us all grasp our weariness. For us. Father God, if there's anything that is not from you today, that's not from your word, that's not from your heart, if there's anything that doesn't belong to you, let it burn up and go away. But whatever is from you, let it take root in our hearts and bear good fruit, and bring you glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.